You're listening to the Unveiling Mormonism podcast from PursueGod.org. Join us every Monday as we pull back the curtain on Mormon history, culture, and doctrine. Find more resources to continue the conversation at PursueGod.org forward slash Mormonism. Well, today we're interrupting our regular programming because we want to tell a story. Uh, I've got on in the studio with me, Jason and Lacey Doman. I should say Pastor Jason Doman, because today, listeners, you're going to hear the story of a guy who is a return missionary in the Mormon church, who is now a youth pastor uh, at a church in Northern Utah, Alpine Church, my church, and you're doing an awesome job. So you're giving leadership to six campuses and counting um, youth ministry. You do a phenomenal job. But the crazy thing is, that your story, your faith story starts in the Mormon church years ago, all those years ago. And so why don't we just start with that, Jason, before we get into how you view Christianity and the Bible and Jesus and God and all that stuff now, why don't we go back and just tell us your story, Jason, Lacey, how did you experience faith in the LDS church and then what happened to change it all? Yeah, thanks, Brian. Um, Lacey and I both, we, we were born and raised LDS, grew up in the LDS church, we were raised here in Utah. Uh, and for me, it was definitely, uh, it was just part of my life. You know, every Sunday we get up and, and get ready and, and go to church. Uh, and that's kind of what I, what I grew up doing. Um, you know, my family was known a little bit more, I think, as, as, as the Sunday Mormons. Um, you know, we, we would, we would, we would be at church every Sunday, but then uh, throughout the week, it didn't necessarily reflect, um, you know, not that we were out doing anything we weren't supposed to do, but, uh, you know, sure if, you weren't, I, I, sure. Psh, you know, I've listened to this and, and, and I, and I've heard both story and, you know, his story, he was definitely a much more active, um, LDS, a good LDS person than, than I was growing up. So I don't, I definitely don't want to put it out there that I was this amazing, uh, you know, missionary kid from Utah my whole life. Uh, I definitely had my own struggles and, and you know, on and off the path and, and things like that. But that's growing up, that, that was our Sunday. That's what it looked like. And, uh, you know, then it would be family time the rest of the day after church. Um, spend time in scripture together. And, uh, you know, that it, it was, it was I think, what you'd see in a, in a typical LDS LDS family. And so that, that was most of my, my younger childhood. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was five and I lived with my mom, um, through junior high. Uh, but when, when I turned eight, you know, I wanted to get baptized and that's, that's the age of accountability is what they'll call that, refer to that in the LDS church. And, uh, and so I wanted to get baptized and, and my dad, uh, did baptize me. And so from that age on, it was kind of more, my dad was the one going to church. He was the one kind of leading, leading the house in, in that. And so I would go to church with him. Even when I was living at my mom's house, I would, I would go to church in my dad's ward. Uh, and that's so where, that's where most of my friends were and, and the people that I was hanging out with. So, uh, and then on into high school, um, I kind of kept going to church I would say it was a lot of it was social. That's just what my friends were doing, and and that's what we'd get together on Friday and Saturday night and hang out, and then we'd all go to church together on Sunday, and um, that that was most of my 
high school experience with it. It was, it was more of a social aspect than it was really a spiritual journey for me. Uh, but then I was one of the oldest in my class, and so I, I was one of the first ones to get my mission call. So when I decided to go on my mission, I uh, was called to London, England. So were you more? Would you say that you were more typical as a Mormon? You know Bo's story. Our listeners know Bo's, Bo's story that he was a diehard. Like you just mentioned that you weren't like him. Would would that make you more normal or less normal? Like what what is the Mormon Church like at least in Utah? Yeah, I would say that I I would be more on the norm um, than 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 Bo was. Uh, I mean, he was definitely all in, you know, which, which is great. I, I, his story has been awesome for me to hear too. Um, but I, I think I leaned a little bit more towards the norm. That's how all of my friends were, you know, growing up was, was we'd do the Sunday thing. Yeah. So like you said, you guys were social Mormons and yet, and this is helpful for people to understand. And yet you still went on a mission. So is it normal? Like when people who are maybe listening to this from outside of Utah, who know when they think of Mormons, they think of the missionaries and the in the white shirts and the name tags. Are those guys typically like super hardcore Mormons who really believe it all in? Or are there a lot of guys like what you just described where you were kind of like one foot in, one foot out, but you still ended up going on on your mission? Yeah, I, I, I definitely don't want to speak for, for everybody, but I, the vast majority of missionaries I knew even on my mission were there. Their parents wanted them to go. Their girlfriend wanted them to go. Uh, you know, things like that. And, and not that they didn't want to be there. I just don't, a lot of them, I don't think that would have been their, their first choice. Uh, but it's very much ingrained in the culture that that's what you do when you, when you turn 18. So. Okay. So for you then maybe, yeah, it's good that you can't answer for everybody, but I think it's helpful for people to know this because all of, all of my son's friends, many of them went on a mission and they're not like hardcore Mormons. They, they did it because it was expected of them. They did it because they wanted to maybe make mom and dad proud or who knows what are the other motivations. But for you, Jason, given your story so far, what was your motivation? Like, why did you decide to go on a mission instead of just going to college or getting a job? Um, I mean, I guess at the, at the risk of <laughs> losing credibility, I mean, I just went because that's what all my friends were doing. And I, you know, I believed in the LDS gospel with all my heart. I, I wanted to go out and I wanted to tell people about it. Um, and that, that, that I never had an issue with what I had learned in the LDS church, what, what the gospel they teach. I never took issue with that. I always believed that wholeheartedly. And, you know, if you've listened to the podcast, you know, both talked about other things, uh, the word of wisdom, um, just things like different lifestyle expectations and things like that, where that was where I, kind of took issue a little bit and maybe started leaning away from the LDS church. And that's really where God started working on my heart. But the gospel side of it, I, I was always bought into that full heartedly. Uh, so I didn't just go because there was nothing else to do. I mean, I definitely had a heart for that, for sharing the gospel. Um, I just don't know if I was completely ready to say, Hey, I'm going to go for two years and, and, and do this, do this thing. Uh, so, so a lot of it was social, just, you know, my, all my friends were going. So I thought, Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go do this too. Now <clears throat> I've heard that for so many people who go on their mission, that's really, that's kind of time for them to settle down, get more serious about their faith. It's kind of like, that's my coming of age. Is that what happened with you? Was that 
part of it was you wanted to kind of get firmer in your faith by going on your mission and, and checking this box? Yeah, I think so. I think the expectation was that by going out, you know, even one of the things we say now is that if you, if you want to learn, teach. Uh, and so I, I think part of that expectation of, of going out and sharing the gospel was that you would become stronger in your faith. You would become more secure in your faith. And But the hard part of that is you, you're an 18-year-old kid, 19-year-old kid, and you get out there and a lot of times you realize you don't know very much about what you're trying to share. You haven't been prepared to talk to people who um, who sometimes know more about your faith than, than you do. You haven't been prepared to, to handle those conversations. So talk about your mission for a second, Jason. While you're on your mission, were there some were there some real difficult times in terms of maybe you encountered a Christian who challenged you? And um, w- was there any point on your mission where you started to question your Mormon upbringing or faith? It saddens me a little bit um, for the believers who were in England that I did talk to, because more often than not, I would just hear the, you're not really Christian, or you're not really a Christian, you know? And, and for me, it was well, my badge says Jesus Christ on it. My, my church says Jesus Christ on it. Uh, if if it, to be a Christian means, in the most generic terms, to be a follower of Christ, then what do you mean I'm not a Christian? Mm-hmm. And nobody, not one person ever tried to sit down with me and, and explain the difference, what they meant by that. You know, and I probably wouldn't have had ears to hear anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, no, nobody ever, ever did that. What would you say, by the way, Jason, to a missionary now, having been in their shoes, but now you see the gospel differently? We'll get into all this here in a second. But what would you say to a Mormon missionary now if they came to your door? Like, how would you approach that relationship? I'm assuming you wouldn't slam the door in their face. <laughs> no, although that makes for a lot of the good stories. Um, <laughs> but no, we've we've had multiple sets of missionaries come to our house and uh, and we've tried lots of different approaches to, you know, to see, and, and it's either just invite them in and have a conversation, uh, invite them over for dinner, um, you know, and we've, we've tried, we've done the thing where, you know, we just kind of let them lead the conversation and, and see where it goes. And, and, you know, I'll ask them a question and they'll say something like, you seem to know a lot about our faith. Have you had missionaries come over before? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, and it wasn't in the spirit of like, I'm going to, I'm going to trick them into, you know, it was just, let's just see where the spirit leads this conversation. And so, but I, for anybody, um, man, they're just young boys and they're out. And, and for the most part, they, they, what, for whatever reason, they are out there serving their mission. The vast majority, 99% of them have a heart for God. And, and they genuinely want to know more about God and, and, and their faith. And so for anybody listening, I mean, invite the missionaries over, be hospitable, you know, just give them dinner, give, just love on them and, 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 and share with them. But it never works to, to bash. It never works to, you know, to get into arguments and start bringing out apologetics on them and think mm-hmm. they just, they don't, they really don't know. Very few of them understand everything that is behind their faith. They just kind of know the, you know, the basics of, of what they believe. And that's not a shot at any of the missionaries or anything. It's just, there's so much stuff that you just don't learn about growing up in the church. That's not talked about. 
So let's leave you in, in London, England for a minute, Jason. We'll come back to your mission as we pick up your story. Lacey, let's hear from you for a second. So for you, wh- what are some similarities? You grew up LDS as well. Share your story a little bit because eventually your stories merge when you get married, and we'll get to that as well. Yeah, I grew up very similar to Jason. Um, my Both my parents were born and raised LDS. My parents were divorced as well. And my mom remarried when I was in junior high and he actually grew up Baptist, but he went to the Mormon church with us. So I actually, his dad lived out in Missouri. We moved out to Missouri when I was in junior high and I went to most of junior high and high school out there. And my grandpa went to a Baptist church out there. So every now and then we would go to his church with him and we'd go to the Mormon church. And it was, I think that was kind of my first exposure to just biblical Christianity, although I really, at the time, I didn't really understand what the pastor was saying. It wasn't, it was more for people who already were Christian. It was very kind of brimstone and fire. And there was one time when I left church, we had gone to church with him one Sunday. And, and I do remember going home and just praying to God that he would save me, not knowing at all what it meant to be saved because I stayed Mormon for years and years after that. But, um, my grandpa did tell me before, I still talk to my grandpa all the time, and he passed away a few years ago, but I went out to Missouri to see him a few years ago, and he did tell me that he had prayed for years and years for my entire family that we would leave Mormonism. So before he passed away, he did know that my husband and I left and were Christian. So for you, that had to be a little weird, Lacey, for a couple of reasons. First of all, you knew Utah Mormonism and my understanding is that Mormonism outside of Utah is very different than Utah Mormonism. So you had that experience, but then you also had this really, really weird experience for you to go occasionally to a Baptist church. Like, were you processing those differences or were you just not paying attention? Um, I, I honestly didn't really understand the difference. I think because the church was more for people who were believers and we didn't go all the time. We went mostly to the Mormon church, so we'd get a little bit of the church from my grandpa's church, um, and then most of the church I went to was Mormon. And so I really, at the time, I, I really had no idea there was a difference between, because Mormons use the same terminology. They use grace, and they use saved, and they use everything. So a lot of the stuff I learned in Mormonism, I really thought was the same in Christianity. I really didn't know there was a difference. So that's interesting for our listeners. I I think it's good for our listeners to really hear this because for our Christian listeners, again, you might just make this assumption that Mormons know how different they are, but at least for you two, Jason and Lacey, and I think you're pretty representative of mo- most Mormons. I think I think you didn't know what you didn't know. And I think a lot of Mormons are like that right now. Probably not. I mean, even Bo and KD, and they were like really, really diehard Mormons. I think even they didn't know what they didn't know. And it's helpful to approach that, like you said, Jason, approach it, whether it's a missionary or just a Mormon friend, approach it with the idea of building bridges rather than like shooting arrows at each other and trying to get into a knockdown, you know, drag out fight. Because, because like you kind of hinted toward Jason, people need ears to hear the gospel. You can't like cram it down people's throats. And I think a lot, in many cases, the more combative you are, the further they w- are going to get from hearing the gospel, or to use some of Jesus's terminology, the harder the soil of their hearts can tend to get, 
the more difficult you make it, like the more combative you make it. So it really is kind of a, an important balance of sharing the truth and love. And I hope this podcast is, is an example of that where we're trying to be respectful, even though we're, we're speaking the truth and trying to unveil some of the cultural and theological aspects of Mormonism. So Jason, let's get back to London. So any other highlights from your mission? So you, you actually, you brought up a little bit that there's, there is a difference um, in the way believers, uh, LDS people kind of interact within Utah and without and outside of Utah. Um, and I think, and again, this isn't to take shots at anybody in, in Utah or anything like that, but I, I think there's a little bit of pride, um, you know, being LDS in Utah, you, there's a hundred temples, <laughs> um, you know, the, the prophet of the church lives in Utah, the 12, uh, and so there's a, there's just a little bit of a more, um, like, like I said, just a pride that comes along with, with being that. And so even growing up, I, I took things for granted, you know, when I first started going to the temple, um, it was like, Oh, well, there's just one right around the corner that I, that I can go to. And, uh, it, it wasn't, you know, I mean, at the time it was still an amazing experience for me and something that I, that I cherished, but when I went to London, the closest temple was four and a half hours away. And so when it came time for, you know, one of the wards to go to the to temple night, it was this four and a half hour trial. It was very much, um, it just felt different. There was kind of this sense of awe about what, you know, was what was about to happen. And, and it just felt more reverent. Um, just So there was just a different appreciation for their faith. Um, and it is not, again, not the Utah people are bad anyway. I mean, we still have family members who are, who are Mormon that we love. We have neighbors, uh, ton, tons of people in our life who are LDS that we absolutely love. And so that, again, that's not just to take a shot, but I, I, I would think that most of them would agree that there's just this different sense of being Mormon in Utah versus outside of Utah. So that was some of the things that I, I noticed on my mission. Uh, it was just a, a difference in, in, uh, how how Sunday went, and then then like I said, doing temple work and um, things like that. But there was also for me, there was a little bit of pride in being called to London, England, because you know I grew up. President Hinckley was was the church president for me growing up, and so he he was the prophet, the you know the one that I looked to as as for my childhood. Um, he 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 was the man. Uh, and so, and he was called to the London, England mission. And so there was, there was just a sense of pride in that, um, it, their Hyde Park is the big park there in London. They have a statue of Joseph Smith there. Um, so just, there were things like that, that just kind of also played a little bit into my, my pride a little bit with, with being called to that, to that mission. So I know probably when you get home now as a return missionary, there's probably a deep sense of pride there. Did that happen with you? Yeah, I think I think for most missionaries uh, there is. <laughs> uh, so I I came home early from my mission. Uh, it, it was a medical issue. They they gave me an ultrasound, and the doctor said you need to be on the operating table within 48, 48 hours. I lived in a four man flat. There are flats in in Europe. Uh, it's a four man apartment, but a four man flat. Went back, talked to my companion and and the other two missionaries there, and. I called the mission president, let him know what was going on, and he said, okay, I'll, I'll pray about it and let you know what we're going to do. Uh, and then he called me first thing in the morning, like 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning the next day, and said, hey, the, uh, the APs, the assistants to the, pre assistant to the presidents, are, they're coming to get you, and they're taking you to the airport. So they sent me home immediately. Um, I came home 
had the surgery done and I, I stayed a missionary for a month while I was home. And so this, this is where we start getting into my, my exit story, I guess a little bit. I stayed a missionary for a month while I was home. I, I lived by the missionary rules, you know, I had my timer set to, to wake up and do scripture study at morning and night, you know, everything that I was supposed to do while I was on my mission, I, w- I was doing at home. And it was, it was difficult. It was really hard while I was recovering. And the time came back, the time came up to go back to London to finish my mission. And the mission president said, or sorry, not the mission president, my stake president said, we're going to send you stateside. And I, he said, Ohio or Iowa, I can't, it was, it was one of those. And, and I said, well, why? And he said, well, we just don't, send people back overseas. And I know that wasn't true. I, I, I know people who personally had gone back overseas. And, you know, so I, I struggle with that a lot. And, and they ended up telling me that it was a financial kind of situation. And, and, you know, I said, but my parents are paying for my mission. So I, they're willing to, you know, whatever that cost is to get me back to London. And, and they, they wouldn't do it. And so this, this is where people would say that my faith wasn't strong enough or, uh, you know, I just wasn't, I didn't believe enough. But I, I said, then I would like you to release me. And so I was released as a missionary at that point. And so, and that was, that was hard. There was a lot, even while I was home recovering, I, I could feel a sense of um, shame and a sense of gossip. Like there was just a lot of talk about why Jason was home early from his mission, even though I was still a missionary at the time. And so, uh, so yeah, to answer your question, for me, it, it definitely was not a boost in pride or, or confidence at that point. I was, I was feeling pretty shameful. And is that, you said, Jason, that that began then to open up the door for you to think a little bit differently about your faith? Yeah. I mean, the whole idea of a mission is that you are called to serve a specific people. And if I was called to serve the people of London, England, that's where I wanted to be. Um, and again, you know, naysayers will say, well, well now, you know, you're called to serve somewhere else. And, <laughs> but I, as a, as a 19 year old boy, that's not, I, I wasn't processing that. I, I, I had, I was teaching people, I had baptism scheduled, you know, I was building all these relationships and I wanted to be back in London where I, I knew people. Um, and so, yeah, it, 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 it was, it was very difficult. So then what happens? So you get released from your calling and now, now there's definitely a sense of shame for, for, or you're probably, you probably are fighting it, but at least maybe some on your, some people in your world are trying to shame you a little bit. Is that, was that your experience? Yeah, there was definitely, uh, even around, you know, some of my friends, uh, who were older than me, who had already come back from their mission or, or around girls that, you know, cause girls, they don't go on their mission until later. And so I would, hang out with some of my high school friends, girls that, that I, you know, was in the same high school class with. And there was just this, just this sense of unworthiness, almost like I, like I had done something wrong, <laughs> like I had done something shameful. And in my mind, it was, I, I didn't hold that against them. I understood it. You know, I didn't get a return with honor. I was, I came home with, without honor. <laughs> so then what happens for you? Are you still now going to the ward? Are you still involved in the Mormon church or is this when you started to kind of pull out a little bit? Yeah, I was definitely, um, you know, what they would call now Jack Mormon. Uh, mm-hmm. I would, I still went to church most Sundays, uh, but it was, it was harder. Um, I think the, I would, I was definitely at that point, I was only 
LDS on Sunday. Um, again, I wasn't out partying or doing anything like that. I just was not living out my faith in any way, shape, or form other than other than on Sunday. So then how did you and Lacey meet and what, what, how did the LDS church play into that relationship? Yeah, it was pretty funny. We actually, so in high school, one of the things me and my buddies, we would go night clubbing all the time. Um, and like all the good Mormons, like all the good Mormons. Yeah. So <laughs> night clubbing in Utah is probably different than if you, if you are not from Utah, it's, it's different than it is anywhere else. So, um, yeah, we had under 21 nightclubs. We had clubs that were half and half, you know, you could only get into one side if you were 21. And so there was, there was anyway, well, one of my really good buddies, he had just returned from his mission. So I'd been home a year and a half. He was, he was a year younger than me. And so he got home and this was one of the one of the guys I used to club with all the time, and it it was literally the day after he got home from his mission, and he was like, "Hey, let's go clubbing, let's go live it up, you know, like like we used to." So we went, and next thing I know, there's this beautiful young lady talking to me. I chased after him. He walked <laughs> past me, and I literally ran after him and grabbed him, <laughs> pulled him to the side. It, I had frosted tips. I had hair back then. Let's just start there. I had hair and I had frosted tips and it was, it was working pretty well for me. So she's talking to me. And the next thing I know, my buddy who just got home from his mission, he's like right over my shoulder. And he's like, are you Mormon? He says that to, to Lacey. And I was like, dude. And I actually had a CTR ring that Mormons wear and I showed him my CTR ring. Okay, wait, now hold on a second. We haven't mentioned the CTR ring yet on this podcast. Can you, what, what does that mean for our non-Mormon listeners? It means choose the right. And it's a ring you get, I mean, in primary. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of a lot of Mormons wear it. If you're a Mormon and you see someone else wear it, you know that they're Mormon. It was, so it was pretty equivalent to WWJD, yeah. you know, to what would Jesus do? That that wasn't super big. It became a pretty big thing in the LDS church, the WWJD. But before that, it was it was CTR. And so you'd have CTR rings and necklaces and shirts. And so, yeah. So anyway, so he, he says that and she, and she did. She is. She's LDS. And so, uh, again, I'll just pre we're at this club. We're not drinking. So we're, you know, we're just having fun, just dancing. And um, that was that was where our, relation, our relationship really started. So, yeah, we we dated for. Uh, three years, mm -hmm. and um, I I basically had my own home. My dad was military, and he was uh, he he was gone all the time. And so after a couple years, you know, we, we this is this isn't prescribed by the LDS church. This this would, or even the Christian church. We definitely um, were going against God's word. We didn't know we didn't know God at the time. But uh, mm -hmm. after a couple years of dating, you know, we knew we were going to get married, and and so because I. I was living on my own essentially. We he moved was in together. Deployed 9/11 during that time. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my dad came home from from war, and I said, "Hey, my new roommate here." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is some, right. So help our you know our Christian listeners would say, "Yeah, that's not purity culture." In the Christian church, would say, "Don't you don't live together till you get married." And it's pretty much the same thing in the Mormon church. So the Mormon church would have looked down on that as well, right? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and so again, I don't I don't want to hide who we are and and, and what we've yeah. done. You know, we're all sinners. We're all broken. We all make bad decisions. You know, for and most of the time, I'll just say this: people who 
move in together before marriage, it doesn't work out. Um, mm. And there's a reason for that. So I, I will say for our, for our relationship, it, it did, it did work out. And even before we knew biblical Jesus, you know, before Jesus was the focus of our marriage, uh, we've always just had an amazing marriage. We've always got along so well and, and had the same interests. And uh, we were very, very blessed to be on the same page uh, through this time. Um, you know, we were, we, we, we knew. So as, as we met with, with our bishops and things like that, like we knew we weren't going to get married in the temple because we were living together. But our, our goal, our ultimate goal was to be sealed to each other in the temple. And so that was what we were going to you know, to work towards. Um, and, and just as it does for most people, you know, life goes on and, and you get busy and things happen. And so we became uh, we, Jack Mormon again, that we kind of did the on again, off again, go to church. Um, and then, oh, how long were we married for Kobe? Three years. Well, three years. Yes. Yeah. So, so three years in, we have our, our first child. Um, and we, again, both of us fully believed in, in the LDS gospel and, and we wanted our kids to, to know God and, and for God to be part of their life. And so, you know, we went and met with our bishop and say, Hey, we want to, we want to get our baby dedicated. Um, and, and so the conversation around that was, he said, well, do you want to do the dedication? And because I knew, you know, no, I, I'm, I'm Jack Mormon. I, I, I'm, I, I know I'm not worthy. And I believe that in my heart, which is sad, you know, that I, I get, I'm not worthy to do this blessing. Uh, and so, and so as my brother-in-law was going to do it, um, who they, my brother-in-law, and my sister are still very much part of the LDS church and I, and I love them dearly. And I was very, very grateful for him to be willing to do that. But so, and that, but he said, I said, my brother-in-law will do the, the dedication. And he said, do you want to stand in the circle? Uh, so for those who don't know, when they do a baby dedication, uh, anybody with, the priesthood authority can stand in the circle and everybody lays their hands on the baby and, um, you know, just takes part in the prayer, in the dedication. So I said, yeah, I, I want, I want to be part of that. Of course I do. Um, so he, he basically made me a deal and the deal was if you come to church every Sunday and tell the bless. So this was in December. Uh, the blessing was going to be in March. So if you come to church every Sunday and tell the blessing, then, then you, you can stand in the circle. I said, okay. I, you know, I was okay with that. I said, That's, we want to be here anyway. We want to come to church anyway. Um, but I also offered him a counter deal, which was, I, so because I'd gone on a mission, I knew that Lacey and I are what they would consider less actives. Uh, and so on, on our mission, on my mission, when we would encounter less actives, when we would work with less active families, we would, we would try to get them a calling. So they come to church, you get them a calling. Um, and I, and I knew, I understood that I, I knew how it worked. And so I, I, I just told the bishop, I said, don't, don't try to give us a calling until we're, we're ready because I want to be at church because I want to be at church, not because I, I have to fulfill a calling or have duties to do. I want this to be about me and God. And he said, okay. Uh, and then, you know, so fast forward three months, I go to church every Sunday that we have the baby dedication. And it was like, Two weeks after the dedication, you know, they, they came at me with a calling. And, and I just, you know, I hate to say, it, so it, it, in the LDS church, uh, and I believe you and Bo talked about this, you know, a calling is, you're, you're taught, I, so I grew up believing that a calling was from God. 
And so if you turn down a calling, you are essentially saying no to God. Uh, and so I, I, I never was really sure how to reconcile the, the two things together where, uh, where I would offer a less active family a calling in the war. Or not I would offer, the bishop would offer, but give a less family, a less active family callings in the ward versus being called by God. And so for me to say no to the calling, it, w- it was it was tough to reconcile, but I just knew that I wasn't ready for that. That wasn't why I wanted to be at church. Both of us, we wanted to be there for God. And so that caused us again to fall away a little bit again, uh, just kind of, you know, the sour taste. And so uh, then two years later, almost to the, to the day, uh, our second child was born and, and almost an identical conversation, different bishop, same ward, um, but very similar conversation, same, same kind of deal was made. Uh, and this time it was, it was the day after the blessing that they, they came to me with a calling the second time. Well, we went to the bishop before. When we were meeting with the bishop, we actually met with the bishop before. And we kind of laid everything out there. We had questions that we had had because Jason and I had had conversations about do you really think you, you know, you have to be sealed in the temple? The word of wisdom, do you really believe in it? And we were both on the same page. Like we talked a lot about this with each other and thankfully we were both on the same page. So we did go to the bishop at that time and we laid everything out there and said, these are the things that we don't know if we are fully bought in on. And so Jason said, I don't want a calling. I know this is what you do to less active members and... Yeah, and again, I, I get the reason, so I don't want to make it sound like they're trapping people by using a calling, but the reality is it, it kind of is. Um, and a calling can be a great thing. I mean, any calling I ever had, you know, when I was going to church, it, it, it was always a good thing, you know, and you would learn and you would grow. Um, so I, it's, it's hard to, to talk about it in a way, in a negative sort of fashion, because it, it's not that, but at the same time, <laughs> If, if you have a calling, you're going to go to church to fulfill your calling. So it's like it, it's getting you in the door, but it may not be for the right reason. So this was the was this kind of the final straw then for you guys? Is this the thing that sort of opened you up to maybe start looking elsewhere? Because I'd been to another church growing up too. I was probably more open to the idea because I really mm-hmm. thought at the time that Mormons really believed the same. I thought, well... We're having questions about this and this and this, but that's all Mormon doctrine. If we just go to another church, it's going to be the same Bible. It's just going to be without the stuff that we're questioning. Because we did start to question a lot of the stuff that at the time we thought were just, well, they're just Mormon Mormon doctrine. I mean, we didn't know at the time it was an entirely different God and Jesus. We thought just some of these rules that they had that we didn't really know if we fully believed in. So Jason, how did you feel? Were you more resistant to trying another church? I mean, you'd never been to a Baptist church like Lacey had. So was that a tougher sell for you? Not not really, because here's the thing. Growing up LDS, you are taught that you are Christian. Like that's, that's just ingrained into your head that you, you are Christian. Uh, and so we, we really did have the assumption that... <laughs> If we go to another church, it'll it'll just be the same thing without the Book of Mormon, <laughs> and and that was honestly what what we thought we were getting into, uh, and, and so Lacey, because we still wanted our kids to have God in their life, and we you know so 
she did some research at work and and she came home with a stack of papers i think it was like 17 pages <laughs> of just different churches around the area uh and said let's pick one and so i pulled one out at, at random and uh, it was alpine church so tell us what happens jason because this is where the story gets so fun this is little did you know this was the beginning of your journey toward being a pastor yeah we we showed up our, our first sunday at alpine church uh dressed to the nines I was suit and tie, laces in the dress. The kids are dressed, you know, and man, we walk in the door and stuck out like a sore thumb. <laughs> uh, so I, it's pretty similar to, to Bo and Katie's story. Um, it, it was very clear that we were the new people at church, and you know, we but immediately we were greeted. I, I looked over and I saw the coffee on the table, and I was like, oh, uh oh, you know, I was like, I don't know, what to, I don't know what we're gonna do. And then we go into the auditorium, and there's all these instruments on stage and i was like holy cow what have i gotten my family into like what is going to take place and um yeah and it was nothing it was nothing like i expected the music started and every song was about jesus everything was about jesus and it was just immediately so gripping um Music has always been a huge part of my life. I, I took choir all throughout school. I had four choir classes my senior year. I did musical theater. I'd, um, it, music has just always spoken to me, and I think that's a big part of the Utah culture just in general. Uh, and so there was just something about the music and it being all about Jesus that, that really spoke to both of us. Uh, and, you know, so we left that first day, you know, just really excited and, and feeling good about things. And um, nothing, nothing too shocking came up, you know, nothing, nothing like that. But the second week, Lacey had to go to work. Uh, and so I, I got up and I got the boys ready for church, which I just, I would not have done that any other Sunday. I'd be like, oh, football's on. I got things to do, things to watch. Uh, but I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to go back. So I got the boys ready and, and we went to church and it actually, it was you teaching that, that second Sunday. And you said something just to the point of Jesus being God. And my mind just exploded immediately. Just, I, I couldn't, what was I hearing? And, and things started falling into place and clicking and making sense. Some of the questions that I'd had, a lot of the questions I had growing up, like they, they just started immediately becoming clear and making more sense to me. And I I was so excited, you know, when the sermon ended, I immediately went out to the car to go call Lacey. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I left my kids in kids church. <laughs> I go back and get my kids. You know, so I get out there and I call and I'm like, hey, this, this guy on stage, he says that Jesus is God. And she's like, like, God, God, like he's God, God. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, like God, God, not, not a God, not, like he's God, God. And she's like, what? You know, and so we're talking on the phone and, and she's got to get back to work. And so we hang up and she drives home. And that night we just stayed up all night talking about this revelation that had just happened in our life. Uh, uh, and man, everything became so much more clear. And that, and that was, that was it. That was the, the turning point of, of I'm, I want to give my life to this. I want to give my life to this Jesus. The key is understanding who Jesus is. If you don't understand who Jesus is, his deity, he's not just God Jr. Um, he is the God of the universe. And that is such a central piece of doctrine in the whole Bible. And so any religion that leaves that out, and Mormonism is just one of them. There are many other religions that miss who Jesus is. Even some churches that really miss who Jesus is, 
that that are Christian churches. I think anytime you miss who Jesus is, the the building block for your whole life is missing. And and that's why I love your story, how that one statement, if I remember, that's not even really what the sermon was about. I think it was just some side comment I made while I was teaching, but that's what the Holy Spirit needed you to hear that day. Well, and that's kind of, I think when we had the realization, I mean, at first we thought we're going to go to Alpine. We're going to be Mormon. We're going to stay Mormon. We're just going to go to a non-denominational church and be Mormon. And that was the first when we're like, okay, this, this is a different gospel. Um, it wasn't just the same gospel without some of the Mormon teaching. It was a completely different gospel. So we ended up doing a foundations class where it was just the very basics of the Bible. And during that time, we realized this is, they're not the same. And we can't believe in both because they're two totally different gospels. Who Jesus is different, who Jesus is, is different. God is different. Salvation's different. Everything's different. And so that's, I think, when we realized we can't, we can't believe in both. We have to believe in one. And we really started investigating the Bible a lot. Like, can we trust the Bible? How true is the Bible? Um, that for me was huge because I was always taught that you can't trust the Bible. It's been copied over and over again. So it's been translated over and over again. And so we needed the Book of Mormon and Mormon doctrine to kind of show us everything that's been left out. And so when I found out that we had thousands of old manuscripts and that the Bible hasn't been corrupted, that was huge for me. Really, really big that I can trust everything this Bible says. And that's really when that led us out of Mormonism. Jason, three, four years after that, you eventually come on staff. You become a youth pastor. Now you preach to our students every week. Now you're helping them understand. I mean, some of these, some of your youth leaders are about the age you were when you went off to to London on your mission. Uh, I'll give you the last word, Jason. What would you say to the LDS listener who is saying, oh my gosh, these two I can relate to. Like I can relate to their story. I understand where they're coming from. Last word, what would you say to that listener? God is pursuing you. And the reason that you have, the, the probably the reason you're listening to this podcast is because you're, you're questioning or you, you have questions and there's, there's just something out there that is so much better than anything you have ever experienced. And I, I never look back on my spiritual experiences that I had while I was LDS as something that, that wasn't real. I think that's one of the hardest things to, to wrap your mind around is if you've had a testimony before and you've said things like, I, I believe this church is true, I believe... Uh, you know, so for Joseph Smith or for me, President Hinckley, you know, I believe that these these are true prophets and I believe that the church is true and I believe in God. And, and you have this amazing emotional connection to your testimony. That's something that nobody can ever take away from you. And that's something that you can never argue with somebody. If I, Even if I'm trying to argue or, or have a conversation about the validity of the Book of Mormon, like there's there's... I can turn to facts, I can turn to documents, I can turn to studies, I can turn to all these things, but something I can never tell you isn't real is your, is your testimony. And, and for a lot of people, it's so hard to, to say, well, what about all these experiences? What about all these feelings that, I, that I've had um, th through my time in the LDS church? And um, 
God is big enough that he can reach you wherever you are. It doesn't matter what you believe currently or what you've done in the past. There's, 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 there's this God, this creator of the universe, the creator of everything, the one and only God who is waiting to be in relationship with you. And he's just standing there waiting for you to turn around. And, and, and he's, he's open arms, just, just waiting to hug you. And, and so whatever your questions are, whatever your doubts are, whatever, whatever has caused you to, to listen to this podcast, talk to somebody. Talk, talk to a friend, talk to the person who recommended this podcast to you or just, just a church. Uh, you know, maybe you just found this podcast on accident. Find a local Bible-believing church that will lead you into a relationship with Jesus because it is, it is so much better than anything you have experienced, whether in the LDS faith or any, any other faith outside of biblical Christianity. Uh, the pursuit of, of God is, is our, greatest, our greatest gift that, that we have is to be in relationship with, with the one who created us. And so whatever you've done, whatever you've experienced in life, those things don't define you. What define you is, is being made in the image of God. And God says that you are his masterpiece, that he created you exactly who you are supposed to be. And there is a true joy in, in knowing God and knowing who he says you are. Hey, listeners, this is Brian Dwyer reminding you to rate this show on your favorite podcast app. That really does help us when you do that. That way more people can discover this podcast and start listening. And also, don't forget to share the podcast with a friend.